This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game. Buy board games. Play board games. Food and drink. Fun. And friends. This is Islanders Forecheck, a bonus series of the Hockey Press Pass podcast. So, Chris, what better way to start this episode of Islanders Forecheck in the midst of a, another massive break for the Islanders, 12 days without a game, than with some buzzing trade talk. And then uh, we'll also take some of your questions, fan mail and questions about the current team and some Islanders history sent in by subscribers who registered on our website, HockeyPressPass.com. And then we'll take a short break and we'll discuss our outlooks on the team going forward. But first, Chris, as I just prefaced, on his final Islanders podcast before changing beats, Arthur Staple got Islanders country buzzing. Art suggested that if the Islanders wanted to acquire Coyotes defenseman Jacob Chikrin, at this moment, arguably the best player available before the trade deadline, it would cost the team a package of assets that would include a first-round pick, a valuable current player like Anthony Bovillier, and two prospects. I know Art mentioned Robin Salo and Atu Rati. Chris, I know you've been looking into this. What have you learned about this potential blockbuster trade? 
So, you know, for starters, thank you uh, to Arthur on his uh, last uh, Islanders podcast for the uh, for the Athletic. Uh, he, he dropped this news and insight, and it got picked up by James Nichols on Twitter and bounced around. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting here right before we're about to record this and start doing my homework. So, because Chikrin is not a player that I know well, I'm also not an analyst. So, first thing first also I want to say is that a trade – to the best of my knowledge, after making a lot of calls and sending out a lot of texts tonight, and Arthur was not implying this either, the trade is not imminent. Um, maybe the Islanders should look at doing something sooner than later, but um, I expect that Chickren's going to be a coyote for, for a bit longer, the very least. Uh, but here's what I'm learning, Pat. Here's what I learned. And I didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you. I, I thought it, it would be a mixed reaction. What I proposed to a whole bunch of people scouts, former players, one current player, one current coach, a lot of analysts, including, you know, the kind of people we have on Hockey Press Pass. I said, why, you know, would you do this kind of a package if you were the Islanders, if you were Lou Lamorello for Jeff Chikrin? And that package being a first-round pick, a second-line player like Anthony Beauvillier, and two solid, strong prospects. High upside, Robin Salo and Rati. Big, big upside there, but question marks. And I want to tell you, Pat, everybody, that's more than 10 people, everybody unanimously said they would do this trade. The point being that Chikrin is on this horrendous team right now, He's a very talented guy. He's a, a committed guy. He's well-respected. But if he comes over, to, but he's on this disaster, right? Like think of the 1999-2000 Islanders, for those of you old enough to remember a season like that. And everybody's trying to pick off the carcass of the bad teams. The thinking is that if Chikrin can come over to the Trotz Lamorello culture and what's going on with these Islanders, that he'd be a 25-minute guy, take some pressure off Pellet and Pulak, um, and really uh, be a difference maker for this team. So unanimously, they are really all in on them. I'm going to throw it back to you, and then I just have a, a few other comments that the people make. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, you know, you mentioned it, 25 minutes. He already plays 25 minutes a game. 24.50 he averages ice time. That's 12th in the NHL. So you know that he's durable. He loves playing. He's out on the ice all the time. You know, you pair him with either Pelek or Pulak, especially right now with Pulak being hurt. If they did this trade, that kind of fills that gap until Pulak comes back. Second thing, he's not that expensive. His average annual value right now on his contract is less than $5 million a year. So he'd be extremely affordable. You're not paying, you know, for the uh, the salary of a top-tier superstar. He's controllable. I believe he still has two years left on his contract as well. So the Islanders would have plenty of room in cap space to make some moves this upcoming offseason as well. Um, you know, and then the player that he is, you know, has been a down year for him. But when you play again on a terror, like you, literally a dumpster fire of a team, you know, you can see how maybe the stats wouldn't match it uh, when you don't have the help around you. So on a good team, is it crazy to suggest, that, you know, the Islanders that he could be a 50-point guy, a 60-point guy in a full season? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. And again, with the Islanders... A team that, you know, who was had Stanley Cup aspirations at the beginning of the year, like you said, a playoff push is not out of the realm of possibilities. He would certainly help them. I think this is a trade, like you said, that many 
Uh, members of the media and executives said they would absolutely make if they were the Islanders. Uh, we know Lou's a smart guy, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's already made a couple of phone calls regarding uh, Jacob Chikrin or maybe other players out there as well. I'm glad you uh, you brought up the salary too, because that, that's another big piece to this, not just this proposal or theory, obviously that author shared that said it would take this kind of package, but the salary is a big part of this. This is another reason why there's going to be a lot of interest in Jacob Checker. Don't get me wrong. So that that's it. So the other part that I want to bring up that was also, you know, two thirds of my respondents said, Again, they all say do this trade. But even with that said, two-thirds warned me. They said, look, um, Jacob Chikrin is a very good player, but I hope if you're the Islanders, listen, Lamorello and his scouts, Kenny Morrow, Barry Drops, they're going to know what they're getting. But there is some concern that you don't want to think too much of this guy that he is you know one uh person did tell me look he could be a shea weber type for the honors a young player who can give them a lot of years and everything uh, that they need and, and be that minute cruncher um but there he has he has flaws uh one was harsh enough to say that his ability to read the play despite all those points that he had last season and granted he's still at an early stage of his career there's ability to read the play is bad uh one person used the word liability one used a, a pretty well she was a, a profane and insulting word so I'll, I'll hold back on saying it but he was pretty down on his uh hockey intelligence hockey smarts but again this is a young player uh, the last thing I'll say in terms of like the negatives is, uh, and again, this is just trying to show all sides what everybody was sharing is that he's an ex- inexperienced guy. Like he hasn't played in pressure situations because he's been on this bad team. So he'd be going if the Islanders acquire him, and there are probably eight to ten teams trying to get chicken. But uh, if he he's going to be coming from this situation again, like my Islanders of the late nineties. Uh, and then coming into a situation where every game is important. And so some of them did express some concern about that. But all that said, they said, make the deal. Um, they, you know, they, everybody likes Beauvillier. That first round pick could come back to haunt. But I, I really wanted to get what the reaction would be from a whole bunch of people in the trenches and who watch this and who know Jacob Chikrin well as a player. And they said, make this trade. I couldn't find one guy, Pat. I couldn't find and it was I couldn't find one guy, one scout, one coach, one player to tell me uh, that they wouldn't do that kind of a trade. So I'm passing that on to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, and again, too, you know, you mentioned for all the knocks on him from some of the folks you talked with, you know, maybe liability. Look, he's been in the league for six years. He's only 23. So you mentioned it. He's he's experienced, but he's also still young. And playing on a team like the Islanders, playing under a coach like Barry Trotz, assuming Barry's going to be back soon enough, I, I think that does him, you know, a, a ton, a ton of... Uh, you know, good for the future and especially developing and con- continue developing the player that the Islanders would hope he would be if they do make the trade. Again, who knows if the trade ever even gets made? Who knows if the Islanders, if Lou ever uh, gives the, the Coyotes a call? But still, it's definitely an exciting prospect for an Islanders team that definitely could be looking to add a guy, uh, look a player to help them 
um, as they continue this run here, especially because they're going to be playing a ton of games uh, down the stretch, more so than any other team in the league. Yeah, and the last thing to keep in mind, and we'll go to the questions, is is that if he winds up not getting traded, I don't think it's a guarantee he's going to be traded before this deadline. Maybe it turns out to be a better time for the Islanders to make that move in the offseason so they have a full training camp with them. Maybe the team needs a reset after this year. We'll see how it goes. I think we're going to know by the end of January whether the Islanders can get back in this, right? right. Um, so maybe it's the kind of, maybe it's an off-season trade. You get, a, you get another key defenseman, and you have him from the beginning, and you work him into the Islander way. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I just think from everything I've been reading here over the last uh, 24 hours, uh, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get traded. You know, I, I honestly would, whether it's whether it's Vancouver, whether it's Anaheim, or whether it is the Islanders. I feel like everything I've read, those are the three most frequently teams that I've been seeing here. Um, and as again, as a, as a fan of the Islanders, I think we would we would love to see uh, Lou Lamorello make a deal like this. So uh, let's move on here to our fan questions. Yeah, it's funny. We were going to take like a whole bunch of them, but then this chicken thing happened. So we're just going with three tonight, but I promise everybody we will be getting to all of them in the next couple of weeks. Go ahead. All right, let's start with Danielle in East Hanover, New Jersey. And Danielle says, Chris, as a PR pro and former communications VP of the Islanders, I wanted to know what you think of the Barry Trotz issue, you know, about him being away from the team for personal reasons. Uh, how the team has handled it, and your reaction to how some fans and others have responded. Yeah, uh, quite simply, the Islanders have handled this perfectly, and also Lane Lambert. Uh, Barry Trotz has been away from the team now for a few days. They have cited personal reasons. Uh, as in, in any walk of life, in any business, and you know this, Pat, too, and everybody out there works in an office, works for a company, when somebody needs personal time and makes it clear that it's a personal issue it stays that way no questions asked it, it the same thing happens in sports so i'm not really adding here anything that that a lot of people haven't said before um i think the others have handled it perfectly i would say uh, uh, my friends on the reporter side i don't think they i'm not saying they're asking every day but they have asked every once in a while and, and I think we're at the point where when Barry Trotz is back, he's back, like Lane, Lane Lambert has said. Um, the other thing I would say is I know there was a, an issue the other day where at least one fan either speculated or was critical um, about Trotz being away. You know, that's garbage. And a lot of that's just anonymous you know, bullshit that you see on Twitter. The cesspool of Twitter, as Kevin Connolly called it on our show, <laughs> Um, you, all you could do is ignore it. You don't want to amplify it. I would say if a fan did anything that, you know, and his or her name was attached to it and that person was a season ticket holder, the Islanders uh, could look into that and address it. But right now, um, you know, I had plenty of these uh, when I was with the Islanders where we had people away. Uh, it, it's not an uncommon thing. Uh, and you just, you let it be, and the Islanders have done the right thing, and, and I would leave it at that. Yeah, the only well, okay. well, actually, the last thing I want to say is, of course, um, our thoughts are with Barry Trotz and uh, everything. Uh, our thoughts are just with him, right? You know, he's been incredible for this franchise. He's been incredible for Long Island, and it's just it's just nothing but love for this guy, and that's all that there should be. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I want to ask you, I think it is 
you know, to speculate on a timeline is probably, you know, probably shouldn't do it at all uh, in the first place. But, you know, whether we see him before or after January 13th, uh, to me, I don't think is that big of a deal. You don't think there's any way that he's away from the team until the Olympic break, do you? You know, I don't think anybody knows. Well, they know, and probably Lane Lambert knows, you know, at least what could be going on. But as for any speculation, no. I mean, I, I did one reporter of note, and forgive me, uh, whoever it was, uh, seemed to uh, want to share informed knowledge that the coach would be back when the games resume, before the games resume. And hey, I think hopefully he's back uh, tomorrow morning and makes this show look old and out of date already, right? Like, but. I guess there's just no speculation on that. Uh, you hope that he takes all the time that is needed uh, to address the issue. Okay, let's move on. Next question. This is from Heidi in Manhattan. And Heidi says, Chris, thanks for the Hockey Press Pass and Islanders podcast. Maybe you don't want to say because you don't want to play favorites, but I've wondered this since you decided to do a show about media. Who are some of your favorite writers and reporters covering hockey today? It, you know, it turns out the timing of this question is, is interesting because it was announced on Thursday that the New York Times was buying The Athletic and uh, that it, it appears that that's not going to impact anybody except for positively in terms of the reporters. Uh, but I'm going to keep this just to the writers. You know, maybe another show we talk about broadcasters. I have no problem uh, talking about some of my favorites. And when I saw this question come in, I started to jot a few down. There's a whole range of people. I'll, I'll zip through them. Uh, to me, the best team beat writer, and I've said this for a long time, and I haven't seen, there's plenty of great ones out there, but Michael Russo, uh, who covers the Minnesota Wild now for the Athletic, before that for the Star Tribune, uh, used to cover the Florida Panthers, is actually a Long Island guy, uh, but that's just a coincidence. He is, uh, he's the best beat writer in, in just about any sport. He has this love for his craft. He works relentlessly. I think he's got at least two podcasts uh, when I've checked. Um, he just, he does a great job. He, he, you never feel like you are, you learn more about the Minnesota Wild than you ever want to uh, learn. Larry Brooks of the New York Post, he is the dean of New York hockey, but it's not just experience. Larry, he could irritate people, I get it. He can make them laugh. He, can, he certainly informs us, has the scoops a lot. He has done it for a long time, and he's still at the top of his game. I hear from a lot of Islander fans, you know, ah, he rips the Islanders, he doesn't like the Islanders. None of that is true. He covered the dynasty. He was there. Uh, he's there when the Islanders are good. He's normally you know, covers the Rangers most. Larry Brooks is great. He, he's one of those guys who you talk about his stuff. You want to read his stuff. That's the whole idea of the job. ESPN is well served by Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski, who do a great job. Mike Fornabio, Connecticut Post, covers the uh, the Bridgeport Islanders, formerly the Sound Tigers. 
great. I had hired him in a second to cover an NHL team. Perhaps Mike likes where he is. He does a fabulous, fabulous job and has for a long time. A few more names. Christina Rutherford of Sportsnet on women's hockey uh, and big features. Katie Strang of The Athletic, of course. Her work has been incredible, as has Rick Westhead of TSN on the investigations and things like that. Uh, locally, you know, I also want to give credit to the Isles Fix newsletter. They, I get it every day. I've mentioned this on Twitter. It's like this great um, original. Yes, of course, they're going to cite uh, some of the uh, re, uh, the writers out there like Arthur, like Andrew Gross at Newsday that does a great job. Um, but they do a great compilation. If you're an Islander fan and you don't get Isles Fix newsletter, well, you should is all I would say. And I have no ties to those guys. I, you know. I just I would get yeah, lighthouse hockey's always done a great job of going back to the bottom days, and then just the last thing I would say is on the athletic, you know I know it's not for everybody and there's a subscription base, but it is the place pack where people are going to, because you're getting straight information, you're getting a lot of information, you're getting the negatives covered, you're getting the tough questions asked. And, you know, across the board, Aaron Portsline in, in Columbus, Haley Salvian, who we uh, had on, who covers the Calgary Flames, Eric Stevens on the Ducks, Kevin Kurz is now on the Islander Beat. You know, the, I will go to them. I will read them when I want to get informed on the NHL. So those were the ones that initially came to mind. All righty. Awesome. And then let's move on to the last question here in this segment. Jason slash Jay asks, who is on your all-time underrated lineup of forwards? Uh, yeah, so uh, a couple of episodes ago, Jason had asked for the all-time Islanders underrated team. We couldn't do every position in one show. We'd be there for three hours, so we did D. Now we're doing forwards. Um, to define underrated, and that came up a lot when I asked on Twitter, You know, I think there's a pure meaning of the word underrated, but... I'll say it's whatever you want to make of it. My only thing is if you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame or even if you're in the Islanders Hall of Fame, like now Butchie is and the numbered retired, John Tonelli, Bob Nystrom, like you've been rated enough, right? Like I'm just not going to cite them. So I'm going to pick one from a few different eras. Ralph Stewart was brought up by Howie Rose today, 23 goals in the second season ever of the Islanders. And he was on the 74-75 team that uh, had this miracle run, incredible run in the playoffs under Al Arbor. So uh, Howie Rose, if he says it's Ralph Stewart, good enough for me. On the Cup Dynasty, Pat, we could pick everybody who's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. When you take those 16 guys who are on all four Stanley Cup teams, for me, though, I'm going to go with Anders Kaller. He played just five seasons. He won four cups, made a final, and then went back to Europe, and then later became an Islander scout. A lovely, lovely guy, a really good scout, uh, um, essential in picking some uh, European players for the Islanders in the 90s and and for many years to come. Uh, From the the era of the 92-93 team, I'm going with Tommy Fitzgerald, who's now the general manager of the New Jersey Devils, which is just, it makes me smile to say that. So many forwards you could choose from. Uh, but Tom was that grinding forward, that penalty killer, uh, key face-off guy, 
a big fan of Tommy's. Uh, I loved his approach to game. He was a pro for me to deal with. Um, and then lastly, from the early 2000s, well, I should say just from the 2000s, Sean Bates from Peter Laviolette's team that broke the playoffs tonight and uh, made it in 01-02. Sean Bates was played by Peter Laviolette. We joked about this on Twitter recently. Everywhere. He's a forward who's quarterbacking the power play. He's killing penalties. He's getting big goals. He got the big penalty shot goal against Toronto in game six. So on a team where I could pick another five or six guys, I'm going with Sean Bates. And then lastly, and I wanted to get your take on this too, on the current team or the, the recent era, my choice is Cal Clutterbuck. And, you know, for you know, when they first got him for Nino Niederreiter, it was a controversial trade. Niederreiter wanted out. Very talented young guy. Seemed like an odd trade. The downers didn't get enough value. When all is said and done, like none of that matters after all these years. What does matter is that Cal Clutterbuck has become a fixture. He's become a part of the culture of this team, the character of this team. Um, I think we lean toward Gacy Sezikis and Matt Martin um, because they're more homegrown players. But Clutterbuck, you know, he's just been the guy. And I think sometimes we forget about him. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He just, he's been that wind-up guy who's there night in and night out. And he often doesn't get enough credit. And for me, I mean, that includes for me too. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm underrating this guy. So my vote from the current team is Cal Clutterbuck. Yeah, no, I mean, I like that pick a lot. You know, you mentioned it. Cal's been the steady guy before the shutdown. You know, the last time it feels like we had a normal season, 2018, 2019. You go back to that and Clutterbuck had five out of six seasons where he played 73 games or more. And the only other season he played 66. I mean, he's been with the Islanders for nearly a decade now. You know, he can lay the hits when need to block shots, score goals when needed to. You're, I mean, he's just a constant presence. And, uh, you know, he's been there since the, when the Islanders were in the total rebuild back in, you know, 2013, 14. Um, and, you know, through the Tavares era and then through what seemed like maybe another rebuild and then Trotz era and now to one of the premier teams in the, in the National Hockey League. So I, uh, I, can't, I can't fight you on that one at all. Uh, Cal's one of my favorite Islanders, and he's, uh, he's fun to watch on a nightly basis. And, and he plays all those minutes and all those games physically, too. Yeah. And, 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 and comes back night after night. I mean, it's, it's, it's no reason why that, uh, you know, Trotz plays him a ton because he's a, he's a Trotz guy. You know, he gets to the dirty areas, like you said. He's not afraid to block shots, put his body on the line. We've seen him lay, uh, lay a couple of huge hits throughout the year, so I totally agree. All right, and uh, with that, Chris, we'll uh, hear a quick word from our, uh, our favorite sponsors here, and then we'll be back with some thoughts on the current state of the Islanders as they are just about a week away from resuming with the New Jersey Devils, and we'll check in. And you and my optimism meter on the Islanders going forward. This is Islanders Forecheck on Hockey Press Pass. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic, The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. 
Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. All right, back here on Islanders 4-Check, our bonus series of Hockey Press Pass. He's Chris Botta. I'm Pat Boyle. And Chris, a week away as we're recording here on Thursday night, January 6th, from the Islanders returning and hopefully returning for good, right? Hopefully no more breaks after this outside of the Olympic break. No more COVID, no more injuries. I think we can both agree the Islanders have been through the worst of the shit, hopefully. Um, And as soon as they get Barry Trotz back, again, our thoughts with Barry, as soon as they get him back, it seems like the Islanders will have about as complete of a team as they've had all season. Then you throw Pulak back into the mix, hopefully soon, and the Islanders are back to full strength by the grace of God, by the grace of Long Island somehow. So... 10 games at home in this next 11-game stretch that takes them all the way through February 1st, and they've got a lot of winnable games, Chris, right? We talked about when can the Islanders push come? When can UBS Arena finally start feeling like a fortress? When can we start hearing some really loud, insane crowds, not just on the few first nights of the arena? I'm going to be optimistic here, and I'm going to be positive, and I'm going to say that these next 11 games, the Islanders have a chance to win seven, if not eight of them here. They're playing some teams that are either right on par with them or below. Um, I, I think this is the time now for Barzell and Lee to really pick up, find their stride. I love what Dobson has become as a defender. He's become super aggressive. We heard Chara talk about him playing, saying, hey, play with confidence, man. That's what got you to this point. Dobson's been fantastic. And then you hope, too, that that Sorokin and Varlamov can continue to uh, be one of the best goalie partnerships and tandems that you know they were coming into the season. Um, I know I've seen Varlamov, by the way, in some trade rumors. I doubt Lou Lamorello would trade Semyon Varlamov, so um, I don't think we have to worry about that. But they start with the Devils. They just lost Dougie Hamilton uh, to a broken jaw. Uh, we know the Devils are not that good of a team. That is a team the Islanders should win coming right out of the break. Um, and then they've got Washington, and then a back-to-back with Philadelphia, who as of now, you know, a week and a half could change, but as of now, they are one of the teams decimated by COVID. I believe they're missing Konechny, Couturier. Um, Giroux. Yeah, Giroux's, Giroux's out for uh, a while, and then the other one who that I was blanking on is the defender. I'm blanking on his name here for a second. There it is, Provorov. Provorov, he's out as well. So they're missing some of their best skaters on the entire team. Now, again, week and a half could change that. But, Chris, just these first couple of games here, Devils-Washington back-to-back with the Philadelphia Flyers, you got to think the Islanders got to come out of the break ready to roll. Well, you mentioned them having no, you know, that they could win seven or eight. And, listen, they need to, you know, to keep this season alive. That's around the number where they have to be. Six wins or, you know, a little bit over 500 when it comes to total points is not going to be good enough. This is the time to make up the ground with all these home games. Now, the Islanders, they are not good enough to be considered easy favorites or winnable games. I appreciate I totally get where you're coming from, right? I, I look at Phoenix and say, well, that's, that's a, it has to be a winnable game. If that's not a winnable game, it doesn't mean they're going to win. It. But so they can put a stretch together here. This, as I said at the top of the show, presents an opportunity. You mentioned Varlamov; he could be traded, but he's not going to be traded now. You know when he's going to. You know what? 
how he could be traded, the scenario where he could be traded, is they completely shit the bed over the next couple of weeks <laughs> and they fall out of it. Yeah, it's going to be a valuable piece. Can you think about some of these teams, uh, Edmonton, if they are in the race? Oh, uh, my God. Playing Lazar. Did can any... you imagine what, what a Valamov would mean to them? So that said, no, he won't be traded as long as they stay in it. And he might not be traded anyway. So seven or eight. I, I, I'm not going to make a prediction. I made a prediction for that road trip at the beginning, wound up being way off because that went off the rails. But seven or eight is really really where they need to be, at least seven. So this, it's an exciting time, you know, I think with Dobson playing so much better, with Wallstrom playing so much better, and more importantly than that for Wallstrom, winning the confidence of the coaching staff, you know, they can make up for that loss of Letty, that loss of Eberle, Dobson for Letty, Wallstrom for, for Eberle. Um, you know, that's the, that's the, and I wouldn't even say it's an optimistic view because those two kids are, they're now really showing what they're made of, especially Dobson. So there's an opportunity, there's a chance here, Listen, we could do an Islander sport check a month from now, six weeks from now, and could already start to be getting into they need to sell pieces. The season's over. The hole is now insurmountable. But right now, there's an opportunity before them, and this is fun. It, it, it doesn't get to be fun if they lose the first two or three or three or four. But right now, how can you not be excited for these games that are coming up starting next Thursday? Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the power play, look, the power play has looked a lot better. That's the one thing where it's like, damn, I almost wish they didn't go into a, uh, you know the postponements of games because the power play finally got some momentum. Uh, but again... You know, they've a bunch of guys, Clutterbuck's been talking about it, how these practices, there's a really good energy. There's really good team spirit amongst them right now, being able to practice every day, which is not normal in January, and how, you know, they're not going to have as many practices going forward when they're playing, you know, three sets of back-to-backs in the next uh, three weeks here. Um, but, you know, they, they seem like they're every bit rearing up and ready to go here. And, you know, again, some of the other teams you mentioned, they play Arizona as well. That is an absolute must win. They play Seattle. They play Ottawa. They play Philly three times. The Devils, we talked about it. Like, you got to take care of business, right? Uh, You know, even though they they lost some of momentum of uh, finally playing well before the break, now they're all basically healthy. They're coming out 10 out of 11 at home, all against teams that they could easily beat, um, especially the teams on paper that aren't as good as them. They got to take care of business. The power play's got to stay uh, hot. And you know, another thing too, when they played Edmonton on Sunday, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was that game or, or on New Year's Day. They didn't commit a single penalty. If that's the game I'm remembering correctly on Saturday, yeah, they stayed out of the box. The seems, discipline has been good. Seems yeah. like years ago at this point, <laughs> but yeah, it's unbelievable. It was the first game that's they. Co- I was just going to go, this is the first game that they hadn't committed a penalty since they played the Rangers last April. So, yeah, the discipline's been great. The power play, on the other hand, has been great. They're not making those kind of senseless mistakes that have had us thinking to ourselves, what the fuck is going on here when we're watching the game? So, again, you just hope that that carries over here through the break. Coaches say that they want practice, that there's never enough time to practice in the season. Well, the Islanders got a lot of practice here, even with uh, Barry Trotz out right now. So um, it's an opportunity to continue to work on special teams as well. One last thing for me on this subject before we go to the optimism meter, something worth looking at or keeping an eye on is 
with this volume of games, you know, three back-to-backs in the stretch, that's a lot, but, you know, the Barry Trotz Islanders have been good on the second game of back-to-backs. But it does beg the question that if you're going to add a piece, not not a checkering category, but if you're going, this is a time that you could use some depth because players could get hurt or back-to-backs or a char or an Andy Green. And let's face it, the coaching staff hasn't shown that much confidence in Rob and Salo, for example, and some of the other players, including forwards in Bridgeport. So, um, you know, it might be worth it, and I'm sure he's looking at it, the uh, a chance to add a piece or two. I'm talking about, again, depth pieces, just to solidify some spots if guys get injured or need a rest or a little bit banged up in her day-to-day. So that's something that you also could see before the end of January. All right, and let's uh, let's finish here with the optimism uh, meter. So obviously I was at, what, a nine when the season began. It's tough to uh, honestly uh, stick to those guns here. Um, if we go optimism meter in just the last week, I can maybe say it's at a nine. But overall on the season, in terms of winning a Stanley Cup, uh, Chris – I will start off by saying my optimism meter is a five, um, five right in the middle. You know, one would be, I have zero faith that they're one of the worst teams in the NHL 10 again, being that they are, you know, there, 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 there would be something that has to go terribly wrong for them not to at least make the cup. I'm at a five, right? That the, they're, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle right now, but we do know again, and we can say this until we're beaten, beat red in the face, but it's true. They have all the games in the world to make up. They have all the games in hand against the other teams in the division and in the conference. They're going to play a ton of games at home, 10 out of the next 11. And again, we know that this team, when healthy, they are one of the best in in hockey. Like that's the, the odds makers, the pundits, our eyes are not deceiving us about that. We know from what we've watched the last two years, this team, when healthy, is one of the best in the entire sport. So... Again, they're going to get a chance to prove that, and they're going to get a chance to prove it in front of the home crowd. And I think, I think it's sooner or later. It's again, something has to go terribly wrong for this team not to perform the way we thought they would at the beginning of the year. So yes, uphill battle, but my optimism meter is a five. And again, we've seen it. You get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And let's remember, we should point out, especially for people who might be hearing this show for the first time, like, what, what, is, what is up with these assholes and their optimism meter and what <laughs> was actually a nine? So for context, the reason behind it was when we started these Islander four checks and people were picking the team to win the cup, the question was from one to ten at the beginning of the season and then two weeks after the uh, road trip started, you know, where were we with our optimism? with 10 being win a cup. I started at a six because, you know, we had some questions about the team that said I was completely wrong on the road trip. I thought they'd get, you know, do much better on the road trip than they ended up doing that game in New Jersey. Still, I don't know, for some reason it haunts me. Um, so look, I, I, you know, I was at a six. I stayed at a six the last time we did this. I'm going to join you in being at a five. Here's one possible narrative. And you know what? I think right now an Islander fan wouldn't sign up for this because, you know, the goal and the only goal, as we say all the time, is to win the Stanley Cup. But it's possible that a, that a narrative for this season could be that if they stay in it and they fight and they scratch and they claw and they make a trade and make some adjustments, 
and they get one of the wild card spots. And it's a, it's a celebration, right? Because everything that's happened this season, if they were to pull that off, it'd be somewhat of a miracle. And then what happens? They lose in the first round. And the feeling will be they spent so much energy and emotion and passion just getting in. We see this all the time in sports, right? Just getting in that by the time the playoffs started, they had nothing left in the tank. It was noble, but boy, that stunk because this team that made the Final Four the last few years lost in the first round. That's getting way ahead of ourselves. Let's just see if they can get themselves in a position to get back in. You know, Cup, we'll put that aside for now. I'll join you in being at the number five. I'm just fascinated by these next 11 games. I hope we do a few more of these out in the four checks and do more than we've done in the past. This is a very compelling New York sports storyline for me, and I'm excited about it when it gets started in a week from now. So, All right, Chris. Uh, I think that'll do it here for us on this episode of Islanders 4Check. Thanks, as always, to the fans. Chris, thanks to you, my man. Thanks to Danny. Thanks to Ksenia, the entire family here at Hockey Press Pass. And, uh, again, we've got Aaron Ward coming up next on the next uh, traditional episode of Hockey Press Pass as the Islanders schedule finally picks up. There will be more episodes of Islanders 4Check. And until then... We will uh, see you next time for Chris Botta and everybody else on Pat Boyle. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. This has been Islanders 4Check.